Hey there, are you sick and tired of feeling sick and tired? Join Adel Kozilski and Fagy Stern as they explore ways to reverse chronic illness and achieve vibrant health. Your health is your only wealth and together we can be better. Hashtag healthy you, wealthy you. Good morning, good morning uh, from a little under the weather, Adel Kozilski, traveling around, I think all the traveling to, to Cape Town and back again um, took its toll. But I'm glad to be back in studio, of course, always with Fagy Stern. And today we have got the eminent Dr. Kassel, a pediatrician for over 60 years, and we are going to be continuing um, our discussions about children and their health. And as always, we glean so much just healthy, good, good knowledge about how we can look after ourselves. Today we are going to be discussing a very interesting topic and a topic that certainly um, is of interest to me because I, I, I function in the sphere and that is how to get, have a healthy pregnancy and particularly when it comes to the development of the brain. So with no further ado, we say good morning to Dr. Kassel. Morning, Idol. Morning, Feige. It's a pleasure to be back. And uh, I'm doing this program today because I think it's very pertinent to nearly every one of you that are going to listen. It's a simple program that is designed to help you approach pregnancy in a normal way. So I'll carry on without any ado. Why have I chosen the brain? Because the brain is the primary organ in the body where we come to understand how the combined forces of nature and science meet each other to give greater insight into the miracle of conception to start with, of pregnancy to go on with, of birth, and of course of keeping our life's machine going from the time we take our first breath to the time we take our last breath. It's actually a very short space of time for a lot of us. My presentation will be divided into two main groups. The factors that play a role in the pre-birth history, the genetic factors, the hereditary factors, which are all important in assessing the possibilities of being needing to look out for abnormality. But here again, don't be carried away. Genetic tests are done on a lot of people today. I'll try and discuss them briefly. I'm not a geneticist, and therefore I won't bother you with genetic details. But they are important, but there's a thing known as overkill. And I'll try and explain this to you in my talk. So we're going to, first of all, discuss the genetic and environmental factors and the factors that play a part as well from the conception right through the pregnancy until the actual birth process. That's the first talk. That's today's talk. The second talk, which I hope to give soon, is on the developmental factors affecting the brain. Because the brain goes on developing and maturing for about 25 years in a woman, and it reaches maturity by the 30th year in a male. 
and a lot of our developmental brain disorders occur in the first six years of life because of poor maturity of the brain, and these are often misdiagnosed. Your enuresis, your breath-holding attacks, your learning problems, lack of maturity of the brain plays a big part in these. But we must first understand something about how the brain develops. The brain begins to develop and grow from the moment fertilization takes place and the embryo is formed. And the maximum growth phase of the brain is during the first nine months of pregnancy. It grows by birth to 32 to 34 centimeters which is just over half the adult size. And by the end of the second year, the brain has developed to two-thirds of the adult size. The brain has eight well-defined layers in all of us, and seven of these are completely laid down at birth. So yes, genetic and hereditary factors, enzymatic factors, play a vital role in influencing normal brain development. And they are sometimes, they are often present long before pregnancy is even contemplated. Today we have excellent screening techniques. We have some of the best geneticists in the world. And this is particularly true of Israel, because Jews are divided into two main population groups, Ashkenazis, and Sephardis, and they usually bury along the same bloodlines. And this, in fact, can accentuate some of the genetic abnormalities. But not to frighten you, we've all managed. We come now to examine how environmental effects can play a part. There is an ovary which produces eggs, and there is a testis which produces sperms. Now, the two in in presenting you with abnormalities are two entirely different organs. The ova and the eggs are present for many years, same ova. They're subjected to all the environmental factors that you can possibly have, all the ingested factors that you may take, and all of a sudden all the infective factors that also make occur that affect the ovary. The sperm, not so. The sperm is relatively fresh each time it tries to to fertilize an egg. But the point to remember is that both the organs, the ovary with its eggs and the testis with its sperms, are both probably equal carriers of genetic abnormalities. So don't have the the tendency to blame one or the other. Oh, it's your fault or it's my fault. It's not. It's usually both your faults. <laughs> so just, I, I think if if we can pause here in your presentation and just discuss that today we are seeing an incredible rise in the prevalence of infertility, of people struggling to fall pregnant. There's a lot more autoimmune disease in in women at a much younger age. Men are tending to be more infertile. Um, would you say that this is a, uh, a result of our environment, of what we're eating, our lifestyle? 
I think it depends on, I think it depends primarily on nutritional factors. A healthy mind and a healthy body. Nutrition is of prime importance in preventing most of these abnormalities. But then we have un, undiagnosed, not undiagnosed, but unforeseen circumstances that can lead to abnormalities. The classic example is radiation. And the Americans, when they exploded the atomic bomb on Hiroshima and Nagasaki, did this human experiment for themselves. The people that were within a five-kilometer, five-mile radius of the atomic bomb and survived had a 95% incidence of genetic abnormalities. And a lot of them developed lymphomas, Hodgkin's, leukemias, and the like. So radiation is definitely a very, very important factor. And then, of course, there are the substances that we ingest, which are still unknown. A man, a prominent man called Gillis, who was a doyen of pediatrics in America, once said that it's safe for the pregnant mother to take nothing, not even nutritional products, which she may react to everything. But what about the mother that takes medicines and chronic medications for years before she even falls pregnant. It's not only thalidomide that could have reduced the abnormalities of the baby. It's all the rubbish we feed ourselves with uh, on an ongoing basis, and some of these are not even diagnosed today, that we don't know about them, but they certainly do occur. And recently there was a study done in Israel where they took a whole group of miscarriages and analyzed them for infections and found that each and every miscarriage had listeria on the culture. Six cases of listeria had miscarried. But what prevents it from happening? This is the cold crux of my talk and why I present. Okay, so we are going to hear about um, the whole the whole reason why this is happening. We're speaking to Dr. Kassel. And we're talking about the health of a pregnancy, the development of a brain. If you'd like to join the conversation, it's 34519. That's our SMS line. 0618951019 is our telegram number. This is 101.9 High FM. This is the Healthy You, Wealthy You show with Adol Kosilski and Fagy Stern. This is the Healthy You, Wealthy You show, and we're in conversation with Dr. Kassel, and we're talking about how to achieve a healthy pregnancy or that which can go wrong. Um, if you'd like to join the conversation, 34519 is our SMS line. 0618951019 is our telegram number. Just before the break, Dr. Kassel, if I can belabor the point a little bit more, because it became an issue in my life um, in having three very bad pregnancies and then managing, thank God, to have three very healthy pregnancies, that I came to understand how important nutrition is and how important your environment is as 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 you have spoken um i think i think we can also i don't know if you'd like to pass comment on um the fact that women today are put in very stressful situations very young we go out to work we go out into a man's world all those hormones the cortisone and the, and the adrenaline you know kind of like the, the the fighting you know mode becomes part of the woman's demeanor Surely that affects her hormonal imbalance, you know, her hormonal imbalances and her ability to reproduce. 
Many of those factors affect. Nutrition is the prime factor. I still believe that if you... I mean, we need just one example. Meninga, Mardisil, uh and secondary hydrocephalus, where uh, the, the alpha-trypsin is deficient, and that's completely nutritional, and where, where, the, uh, where the spine doesn't fuse. That's one, just one prime example. About hormonal imbalances, for sure. I mean, how many young girls sit on the pool and, uh, for no, sometimes for no reason whatsoever, you know, not even to, to protect themselves against pregnancies for other reasons. I can't uh, comment on this program, but I recently had a case from Israel where a girl had been on a pool for no reason whatsoever except that they were trying to, to cure the skin rash on her face and suggest that she go onto the pool. She developed a cortisol level of over a thousand. She deranged all her, all her hormones. She destroyed her TSH. And of course, with this sort of girl as to fall pregnant now, she may well find that progesterone is lacking and she can't even perform a normal placenta. So you've got to think of what you do to these, and I apologize over here. That's simply my opinion. And I don't want any doctors to take offense at this because it is a known treatment in dermatology. But uh, it's, it, it does produce side effects, and you've got to watch out for the side effects. And this was a very serious side effect in this particular girl. So, yes, nutritional factors and things we ingest play a very dominant role. But let me get down to the fact, I must be honest with you, I've seldom done a talk on this station where I've had to rewrite a talk about six or eight times because <laughs> I wasn't satisfied with it. And then I decided to go for the simple one. The simple one was try to draw on my own experience and try to answer for myself why I've seen 25,000 normal births with happy parents, delighted, and why I've only seen less than a 1,000. I don't even think the figure reaches a 1,000 of abnormal births. Isn't there some protective mechanism along the way that protects us? And this is really the subject of which I want to get across to you. The first protective mechanism is, of course, in the history. There are genetic imbalances. There are just eggs or sperms or genetic factors that are just not suitable for a pregnancy. And you won't fertilize in the first place. You get the girl coming to you or the parents coming to you and saying, Doctor, we've been trying for months, for years, trying to fall pregnant. It just won't happen. You get the girl coming to you who says, I've fallen pregnant at least three times, but I find that in the first 12 weeks of my pregnancy, I suddenly get my period and I don't carry the pregnancy. And then you get the girl that comes along and says, I've carried my pregnancy for 12 weeks, but then I don't know why, doctor, but all of a sudden I started to bleed, I started to contract, and I lost the baby. And it was those questions that I will try to answer for you in this program. I firmly believe, call it nature if you like, I call it Hashem, the Lord, the Creator that put us there, who's, who's far more wise than any one of us sitting on this earth. 
But let's say that nature has preventative factors that prevent you, first of all, from conceiving. The ovary, as we've said, can have potential problems, particularly when the eggs have been lying around for 35 years and they start to degenerate. The sperm has potential problems, particularly when sperms have been destroyed by antibodies, as has happened now in some cases, and you get low sperm counts. You can't produce sperms. Both of them have potential abnormalities and genetic factors, and they just won't fertilize each other. So that is the first protective mechanism. You can have all the abnormality tests in the world. You can have all the genetic tests in the world, but you won't fertilize. You won't fall pregnant. The great creator of all of us has protected us. That's number one. Then you get to the stage of, which is a well-known fact now, of why a, a girl aborts in the first 12 weeks of pregnancy. It, it's all to do with the fact that she produces placental antibodies and has a deficiency of progesterone hormone herself, which prevents the placenta, which is the lifeline of the baby, from implanting properly. And therefore, this girl will come to you with a story of, Doctor, I've fallen pregnant at least two or three times, but each time... I've got my period again, I've started to bleed, and the pregnancy just won't hold. That's the second case, placental factors and antibodies. Antibodies to the placenta, which you can produce. Then, of course, you come to the very important, and here two statements were made by Professor James Stallworthy. The one was, that menstruation is the bleeding of a disappointed uterus. Here the uterus builds up an internal membrane, is getting all ready to receive the sperm and ovum as a zygote, and it doesn't happen. You've got lots of sperms lying around, you've got eggs lying around, the wall of the uterus then sloughs, doesn't formulate a pregnancy, and the woman menstruates. That's menstruation. But then you come to the second factor after the 12th weeks, which is miscarriage. And this is probably the greatest single factor in limiting us and protecting us from an abnormal birth. I quote the, what I think of the immortal words of Professor James Stallworthy, who was actually the Professor of Obstetrics and Gynecology at Oxford University. Don't lament miscarriage unnecessarily. Miscarriage is maybe just nature's way of getting rid of an unsuitable pregnancy. This doesn't mean that you mustn't investigate miscarriages. Of course you must investigate miscarriages. You must know why they've occurred. But time and time again you'll come to the same conclusion, which is naught. You won't know why they've occurred. But when you look at the miscarried products, you'll begin to understand why they occurred. There was never a, a hope of that sort of pregnancy developing normally. 
and I won't bother you with the sort of details, but, but, but one of them is the anencephalic baby when it's born without a developing brain, that baby miscarries. And likewise. But here we have to exercise extreme caution because we have at our disposal superb techniques for measuring the progress of a normal pregnancy. But sometimes these techniques can prove to be counterproductive because human error comes into the, comes into the equation. And the big question arises now as to whether you should actually u- utilize all these techniques and use them and subject the, the, the pregnant couple to them or whether you shouldn't or you should water them down. I am of the firm opinion that you have a very good technique that you can use, which is an initial screen of the baby to make sure that everything is implanted correctly, everything is there correctly, the fetus is in the right place. And that's where I myself would tend to draw the line, but I'm not an obstetrician. Your obstetrician here in Johannesburg will tell you you need serial scanning. Fair enough. There's nothing against serial scanning. But when you get the sort of thing thrown at you that, uh, my dear, I could pick up a slight abnormality in this angle over here and a slight tissue abnormality over there, and the neck doesn't look quite right, this produces psychological trauma in the mother. And and also when the blood tests are done and you get given the result that it could be this, it could be that, it could be nothing. It's just a slightly elevated air level. Then you walk through your pregnancy absolutely dreading every minute of it and waiting for the inevitable to happen. I don't think that's the way one should approach a pregnancy in normal women and normal, normal hereditary histories. Not at all. But we do have one test that can be done in the pregnancy if indicated and that is the test of amniocentesis amniocentesis in simple language is the process of putting a needle into the uterus drawing off the amniotic fluid the lycor around the baby and analyzing this for chromosomal and enzymatic abnormalities now, obviously, you cannot do amniocentesis on every woman. It's it's not practical. Medico-legally here in South Africa, they've now settled for the fact that you're obliged to do an amniocentesis in every girl over 35 years of age because of the danger of underlying abnormalities in the eggs, which you might not pick up. I cannot agree all the time with this. I think you've got to use your evaluations of the actual pregnancy and use the uh, advice of some of the sages who have been through this before, that the less you do, less is often more, and more is often less. Nowhere has that statement applied better than to the evaluation of a normal pregnancy. Less is often more, and more is often less. So confine your amniocentesis with various supportive factors.
where somebody is telling you that implantation has incurred incorrectly, that the baby is in a pregnancy that is over 35 years of age and the mother, where there are other, there's a history of previous congenital abnormalities. Combine it to that, but don't never exercise routines in medicine. But then we come to the most important ethical challenge of all, the question of to abort or not to abort, to terminate or not to terminate. My own personal opinion, and I stand by it all the time, and I apologize to those people that I've said this to where it hasn't worked out, is that this sort of decision you should leave to a superior being nature, if you like, or Shashem, our creator, let that be the deciding factor, not us. And I stand by that decision after 60 years of practice. But, of course, you'll find that other people will have other ideas about it. Finally, we come to the birth process itself. And, obviously, the big fear arises with prematurity. And I've heard this time and time again. Your baby is prim, so just be advised that if it's less than 20, if it's over 34 weeks, it has this percentage of abnormalities. If it's under 30 weeks, it has that percentage of abnormalities. You may have learning problems. You may have emotional problems. And the mother gets thrown with a whole spate of data or from textbooks. All you can say to that sort of mother is, that three of the greatest brains in the world have been premature brains. They have all weighed less than one kilogram at birth. The first one was Isaac Newton. Isaac Newton was born in a farmhouse in the middle of England where he weighed, I think it was about six or seven hundred grams. He was the size of a coffee cup and he was initially put into an oven to keep him warm. (laughs) He turned out to be one of the greatest geniuses that the world has ever produced in mathematics. That's a new way to uh, make a nicky, right? Just get yourself a couple of ovens. (laughs) Make yourself a brain. And keep it at the right temperature. The second (laughs) classic brain that was produced like this was Albert Einstein. Albert Einstein weighed less than a kilogram, and there was certainly nothing wrong with his brain. And the third one was Winston Churchill. Admittedly, he couldn't pass Form 4, but he, be- <laughs> but he became the great one of the greatest orators in the English language. So my advice to the doctors who are listening to this is never try to prognosticate on a premature delivery because the brain goes from a half the adult size to two-thirds the adult size in the first two years of life. And various areas of the brain that are still developing can take over, and you can never make an accurate prognosis. You can be wrong either way. Well, there you have it. If you've got any questions for Dr. Kassel, you can SMS us on 34519 or 061-895-1019. Just to let you know that Faggy and I run a uh, WhatsApp group where we try to encourage people to take health into their own hands and start 
eating healthy, exercising healthy. We drop a little idea every single day. Um, it is early admin run, so we are not going to spam your uh, your your WhatsApp conversations. And you, of course, you can keep us on mute. If you'd like to join that, to just send an email to info at highfm.com. Give us your name and, of course, give us your cell phone number, and we will gladly join you. This is 101.9 High FM. This is the Healthy You, Wealthy You show with Adol Kosilski and Fagy Stern. We're back with Dr. Kassel, and um, we're going to wrap up with some actually interesting ideas. Yes, I hope in this short presentation I've taken you on a journey outlining the factors that influence the ability to fertilize normally, to carry normally, and to have a normal baby. I must say that the most memorable experiences that I've shared in my career of 60 years are the joy and happiness that a birth brings to their parents, memories that will live with me forever. As I examined the baby, as I did after every birth, check its newborn reflexes, move my stethoscope over its chest and hold it in the air to test its tone, the question inevitably comes, is everything all right, doctor? And as I reply, yes, as far as I can determine, you have an apparently normal baby. The expressions of joy and relief and happiness are something that has to be seen to be believed. Tears of joy, verses of blessing, and the embracing of family members, all those are, uns- are evidence of unsurpassed joy and happiness. But I've left the most Pertinent observation to last. There are just those cases where, for whatever reason, and after full investigation, the, the, the parents are unable to achieve fertilization, carry a normal pregnancy to the end, or deliver normally. It is here that medical science and nature have come together and they've combined in giving life where life otherwise would not have been achieved. And I prefer, and I refer to the marvelous innovation of in vitro fertilization. Here in, sitting right next to me in this program is really what I can only say is an Aisha Chayel, uh, who has done this work runs, helps to run her own laboratory and is helping people that have never been able to have babies to have babies. And this is the greatest mitzvah of them all. So I will ask her to say a few words in conclusion. Uh, I think my husband should call me an Ashit Kyle, not the people out there. <laughs> Just to to uh, elaborate on uh, Dr. Castle's comments that today, um, people who have struggled to fall pregnant now have an incredible ability to uh, engage with an IVF, uh, IVF clinic. There are many. We've got really top, top specialists in South Africa um, that are very, very skilled in assisting people who are struggling to have children to, in fact, have the dream of holding a baby in their hands. Um, I, I, I am part of the, the cog and the wheel of it all. Um, you know, a person struggling to fall pregnant, there are many, many factors. 
um, ideal, specifically with the genetic factors. And today, we have tests such as PGTA, which is pre-implantation genetic testing for aneuploidy, which means that before uh, your baby is re-implanted back into the uterus, it goes through genetic testing to see that, in fact, we are implanting back a, a, a healthy baby. And this is vitally important, particularly with women over the age of 35, where, as Dr. Kassel said, um, you know, there is a degeneration in the ovaries, in the genetic material, and that could be one of the causes, only one of the causes of, of, of miscarriage. We do see sometimes people having other diseases that this happens earlier in their reproductive cycle. Um, and again, you know, um, our greatest joy as yours, Dr. Dr. Kassel, is when we assist somebody who has got a known genetic disease and through our screening, we're able to stop the um, passing on of that genetic disease to the to 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 their offspring, or actually give them the opportunity to have a healthy baby. In fact, we heard incredible news just last week of of, of somebody who has a really rare genetic disease um, passed on for generations, unable to fall pregnant, and with this technology, we've actually managed for her to have a healthy baby, and that gives us incredible, incredible joy. So I think that the message out there is, and I think, Faggy, you will agree that when it comes to our health as a whole, when it comes to having babies as a, as a, as a whole, you know, take the middle path, as Dr. Kassel said, of the 25,000 births that he witnessed in his career, early a thousand um, had struggles and things didn't work out the way they work out. And it's really, we've got so much, we've got so much um, opportunity to influence our, our pregnancies. And, and how we carry them and, and who we are. And I know for myself, I had three very bad pregnancies. Um, I unfortunately lost the child and it was only then, and this has started my path, that I learned about how to eat nutritionally, how to be healthy. And then my body responded likewise. I think also the beauty is that we're trying to say over here is, you know, before you want to fall pregnant, it's not only while you, like when you fall pregnant, but before you fall pregnant to do the right things, to eat the healthy foods, to do, you know, the things to fall pregnant and to have a healthy baby. But what I, I love, Dr. Castle, what you're saying is that with nature, the way that the, if, if there is an issue, sometimes those issues actually correct themselves. Or if they, you know, it's all in Hashem's hands and Hashem has the ability to change what's going on in the pregnancy and to do what's right for that couple too. Um, and Dr. Castle, just the one thing that I'd like to ask you about is the folic acid. Well, <laughs> you know, here I come into controversy with the, with some people that use folic acid routinely. Uh, I won't go into the side effects because that might frighten you, but I don't think it should be used routinely for several reasons. Uh, first of all, it's, it's sometimes not necessary to use it at all because folates, uh, the alpha trypsin is, is normal. You don't get spinal cord or genetic defects if your levels are normal. The normal diet of liver, beetroot, uh, green vegetables and the stuff that normally contains these substances. So here again, you don't, you don't get animals in the game reserve running around swallowing folic acid. <laughs> Also, if it's not folic acid, just to um, explain to the listeners, is that some people have the MTHFR gene and they can't absorb the the folic acid because it's synthetic. 
Yeah. But rather, they should be taking the activated folate. Is that yeah, correct? Yeah, that's correct. That's correct. But here again, you must go, don't go into conflict with your doctors because this is not the object of this program. There are people that are not even aware of this gene and therefore are telling you to, but one could, could glean the information from Fagi in the program and they could be provided with this sort of information. I know it's not our purpose in, in this program to get uh, too religious or to talk too much about Hashem, but there's a very famous Yiddish expression for those of you that understand Yiddish that applies to everything I've said today. It goes like this. Amens tracht and Gott lacht. You can have all the brilliant science in the world, but still the actual miracle of fertilization, the miracle of conception, the miracle of a normal pregnancy still remains in our creator's hands. That's the message I give you. Well, I think that that's a very, very powerful message, and certainly Faggy and I agree with you. I've certainly seen it in my own life. certainly see it across the board. It's not only to do with health, but that there is a, a greater creator and there is a, a, a knowledge, an inbred, inherent knowledge that the body knows and the body can regulate itself and heal itself with, 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 with Hashem in control. And so it's an encouragement out there that there are many, many things that we can do ourselves to make ourselves better. We don't have to be sick and tired of sick, of being sick and tired. And it's not just about taking, and I, I love this analogy, Dr. Kussel, that, you know, animals in the Kruger Park aren't walking around taking, <laughs> taking all the tabs. They wake up in the morning and they have a headache. They don't have a headache <laughs> because they're living naturally and they're doing what, what they're supposed to do. And really that's the main message and thrust of the Healthy You, Wealthy You show is to, to bring into, you know, consciousness the idea that you know we can we can have robust health we can live um fully we just need to be responsible with what we do so we hope you hope we found you found this uh the show interesting again if you'd like to join our whatsapp group you can send an email to info at highfm.com give us your name and your number and we will gladly join you and stay tuned we've got many many interesting um, speakers lined up. If you have got a certain topic that you would like us to investigate, talk about, and look at it from a more holistic way, please also email info at chayfm.com and we will do our best to bring that to you. In the meantime, we can wish everybody a Freilich and Purim for next week. Be happy. Part of being healthy is to be happy. So happy Purim, happy Purim, uh, Dr. Kassel. Thank happy you for your Happy month of Adar. We're all supposed to be happy. Thank you. This is 101.9 High FM.